Welcome to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. Giambiani Center. I'm Dr. Mariette Danilo, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you through these challenging times and to hopefully provide you with information that will help sustain you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is Podcast 5. Well, as promised, I am so pleased to welcome our guest today, Dr. Patricia Donahue, who will be answering our question on today's topic, stress and COVID-19. We'll be taking a look at the clinical impact of stress within the context of this pandemic. But first, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Dr. Donahue serves as a clinical psychologist for the St. John Vianney Center. Her responsibilities include the practice of individual and group psychotherapy, as well as conducting psychological assessments. With over 20 years of experience, Dr. Donahue has served as a clinician, clinical supervisor, and a consultant in a wide variety of treatment settings, including crisis units, psychiatric and rehabilitation facilities, skilled nursing facilities, law enforcement, outpatient, and in-home services. Dr. Donahue earned her PhD in clinical psychology from the St. John, John's University. She earned her master's degree in clinical psychology and gerontology from the University of Southern California and a bachelor's degree in psychology and biology from the State University at Albany. She also maintains a private practice in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, where she works with adolescents and adults. So I am so happy to have you here today, my friend, and uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. We've been talking on these podcasts um, about chronic stress. We've been talking about the impact on the mind, the body, and the spirit. And I'm so happy to have you here because we really need to get an idea of um, what you're seeing as a clinician and what your concerns are. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do at St. John Vianney Center and what drew you to working with those who serve the church? Oh, well, that's a great question. I'm like, like everyone else here at St. John Vianney Center, both the residents and the staff alike, uh, we'd all agree that actually God has brought us all here and uh, has led us to the ministry that we do. Um, I'm also a cradle Catholic, and I'm the beneficiary of uh, many years of excellent Catholic education. And I also have uh, religious in my family. So um, spending time with them and being close to them, I'm, I'm aware of a lot of the joys and struggles that's inherent in ministry. Really, all this has prepared me for coming here to St. John Vianney. Well, that's really wonderful. So, so far in our podcasts, we've been talking about, about stress. And the question that always comes up is, what exactly is stress? What, how would you define it? How would you describe it? Well, stress is a state that's often associated both with fear and with anxiety. It's both physical and cognitive. 
Um, we were created to have an early warning and detection system that allows us to survive. And this system uses hormones and neurotransmitters, neurotransmitters to allow our body to engage in the fight or flight response. Again, this is to ensure our survival. Uh, and it works very well. However, in humans, because we have advanced abilities to remember and think and plan, um, we can actually add apprehension and worry to this system. So we add a cognitive component onto that. So usually when we're talking about stress, we're talking about this system being activated. So there's physical reactions in our body, but they're also accompanied by thoughts and feelings that are going on in our minds. We usually know we're stressed because we exhibit behaviors, things like biting our nails, pacing, not sleeping. And then we also have a variety of thoughts, things like, I'm in trouble, uh, the future looks dark, nothing's working out well, I'm in danger. Now, stress itself or anxiety itself is not bad. Again, it's there for our survival. And we actually know that having a certain amount of anxiety or stress is very important in performance. So we know when stress and anxiety are very low, performance is also low. Mm -hmm. And performance then increases as stress and anxiety increase to a certain point. And then everyone has a tipping point. And once they get past that, the stress and anxiety no longer increases performance, but we become overwhelmed. And then our performance really starts to drop off. And then we can get uh, quickly into trouble. How do we know if we're managing well or not? What are, what are some symptoms or red flags? What, we know that sign that says trouble ahead, danger ahead. How do we know? Well, there's a few things that we uh, can be looking for in ourselves and others. These would include things like if you're finding that you're starting to isolate a lot, you're increasingly short-tempered, you find you start using drugs or alcohol that you weren't using or your usage increases notably, um, that you find that you're struggling in your relationships. You notice there's, that you're acting in ways that aren't your usual personality. If you start to have a variety of hopeless or helpless thoughts or someone else is verbalizing those thoughts, um, an inability to stop and uh, shift off of watching media, particularly about the pandemic. Mm, yeah. Um, hmm. So then specifically, like, what are you seeing right now? Or what do you believe the current challenges are with this pandemic? So you've mentioned a few things, but this is kind of, uh, would you agree, the perfect, the perfect storm? We've got isolation. We've got, you know, a, a sort of a threat, a physical threat. Um, are there any other... Uh, current challenges that uh, are specific to the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, yeah, this is a very trying time for everyone. And, and I'll stress the everyone on that. Uh, there are challenges on every level with this. Um, the isolation and the unvaried nature of the day for many people is extremely hard for many. We need human contact and we need variety in our lives. Um, so everyone is feeling a degree of, of stress and distress from the situation. Hmm. This time is especially hard for people with addictions, as hmm. it's easy to lack the support that's needed for sobriety, and hmm. the lack of accountability is a recipe for relapse. Hmm. But for people with past trauma, 
This could be physical abuse, sexual abuse, unexpected loss or grief, tragic accidents, um, any kind of trauma along those lines. Uh, this type of situation really stirs up the feelings of being vulnerable, being impacted by something dangerous that you can't control. And this often leads to an increase in anxiety for people who've had trauma. And it can even lead to an increase in flashbacks to the trauma or even panic attacks. Mm. And on a societal level, um, really, every, again, this is uh, unprecedented in that it's global and everyone is watching the same media. Everyone is trying to isolate. Everyone is scared. So it really creates a collective trauma that's affecting everyone. And that creates its own challenges because there's not other people who aren't involved who can maintain uh, kind of a bit of a distance on it and offer support because everyone is being traumatized to some extent. So that's also a unique piece of this. Hmm. That's interesting. So we can trigger past trauma and we can, there's really no, everyone's in the same boat, so to speak. That's interesting. Yeah. So I've heard you speak to issues surrounding anxiety. I've heard you do a number of talks about this. Um, can you describe what exactly is anxiety? How can we recognize it? Well, again, when we're talking about anxiety, we're often talking about you know everyday stressors that might normally be motivating or might be energizing and motivating for some people. But we usually, when we're talking anxiety, we're really talking about more the negative aspects of it. Um, it's important to learn what your own signs and symptoms of anxiety might be. For example, some people might sleep more when they're anxious. Some might sleep less. Some might eat more. Some might eat less. Some people become more talkative. Some people withdraw and become quiet. But when it starts to become a problem, you need to be aware that these are the behaviors or signs that you're showing. And this is, that is your cue then that stress is becoming anxiety and it's having a negative impact on you. It's also really important to become aware of what your own thoughts might be when you start to become anxious. These are also individualized, but they're usually very negative and they only make the anxiety worse. So when these th thoughts start to pop up frequently, that's also a sign that stress is getting too high. Yeah, the, the mind can do interesting things there. What would you say, how would you describe a panic attack or an anxiety attack? And what is the proper name? Is it called a panic attack or an anxiety attack? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called a panic attack or panic disorder. And it really falls under the category of anxiety disorders. Um, the panic attacks themselves aren't life-threatening but they can be very frightening for the person having it and they can affect your quality of life, particularly over time. They typically begin suddenly without warning. You could be driving a car, you know, out in your yard, even sound asleep. Um, panic attacks have many variations, but the symptoms peak usually within a few minutes and then you'll feel fatigued and worn out when the panic attack subsides. Some of the signs and symptoms are an impending sense of doom or danger, fear of loss of control, fear that you're dying, rapid heart rate, sweating, trembling, shortness of breath, chills, chest pain, headache. One of the worst things about panic attacks is the intense fear that you'll have another one. And you may start to fear having panic attacks so much that you start to avoid the situations in which they occur. 
Mm, oh, yeah. And so um, you might even mistake it for um, some sort of a, another physical episode. Yes, it's common. So what should someone do if they believe they're having a, a panic attack? Well, the most important thing to do is seek medical help as soon as possible. Panic attacks, while intensely uncomfortable, are not dangerous, but the symptoms are hard to manage on your own, and they're the same as symptoms of serious health problems, such as having a heart attack. So it's very important to get evaluated uh, by a medical care professional to make sure what's causing your symptoms. So this is how we know that we're being overwhelmed and that it's time to talk to a professional? Yes, panic attacks usually arise because that fight or flight system is being activated because there's a lot of underlying stress. And then when it has an opportunity, it's discharging all at once. That's what makes it feel very severe and also quite scary. So these are abnormal responses to an abnormal predicament, really. So if, we, if we're not having panic attacks... Are there any other signs of anxiety uh, that where we should just pick up the phone and, and get help? Yes, there, there's a, a number of them. For example, if you're starting to feel so sad or anxious that you can't function for several days at a time, it's time to pick up the phone. Also, if you're having extreme difficulty concentrating, if you're unable to sleep or even to get out of bed for multiple days, if uh, you're feeling like you're having severe mood swings, uh, if you're having problems in your relationship because of anxiety or mood swings, if you find that your worries and fears get so intense that you can't do your regular daily activities, if you find that you just have sudden overwhelming fear for no reason, certainly whenever someone has thoughts of hurting themselves or thoughts of killing themselves, they should immediately seek out help. Not eating for days is another symptom, as well as making yourself get sick after eating. And of course, there's always that increase that we talked about before in addictive behaviors. If you start to find that you're using substances in a way to try to ease your anxiety, then it's usually starting to become a problem. So, And another thing, another point okay. I just wanted to make is that an important yeah. way to know that maybe you need professional to reach out to a professional mm -hmm. is when other people mention it to you. Oh, yes. So we all have uh, other people that love us, you know, uh, our brothers and sisters in ministry. And when other people say to you things like, I'm worried about you, or you don't seem yourself, or maybe you need help, it's really a good time to trust them. Hmm. Well, another question we get asked a lot is, can anxiety and depression be treated successfully? Do people recover and return to ministry? Well, that's an easy answer because the answer to that is absolutely. So um, there are very effective treatments for both anxiety and depression. Um, you know, in, in effective ministry involves really the balance between the needs of your body, your mind, and your spirit. Problems with anxiety and depression are signs that these things are out of balance. So really taking some time to step away and mindfully address these types of issues is extremely helpful. People recover from anxiety and depression. 
they regain their health and they're able to get back to a happy, healthy ministry. And you've certainly seen enough of that. I know that. So that's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. So what advice would you give people who are in recovery and maybe struggling right now? Yes, this is a particular area because the cornerstone for recovery uh, is being with people and fellowship. So it's important for people who are in recovery, even during this uh, time of staying at home and being isolated, to keep up with fellowship and action. It's really important to reach out, make a phone call, attend a virtual meeting. Um, Literally all of the 12-step programs are having meetings on Zoom now. There's hundreds of AA meetings on Zoom, um, including a, a, some fellowships such as SA have always had a really strong uh, phone and virtual presence. So it's really important for people to shift if their regular mode was going in, in person to a meeting, to be able to shift, reach out, and use these new resources. If you find that you have relapsed, it's really important to get back to some of the things that had grounded you in your recovery initially. And it might be a really good time to try to do some things such as try to get 90 meetings in in 90 days. Um, It's interesting because uh, the idea of focusing on, instead of focusing on my discomfort and isolation, for me to go seek out help from other people was very counterintuitive. But that's actually what uh, Bill Wilson, the founder, one of the founders of AA did. So in the olden times, they would maintain their sobriety because there weren't a lot of meetings through letters and the reading of recovery literature. And that's really what I would encourage people to do now as well. And then, of course, spiritually, when someone's in a period of desolation, they really should return to the activities they did in their periods of consolation until the desolation passes. So certainly things such as continuing prayer and meditation, gratitude lists, all those should continue, and even really during this stressful time, increase. Mm, that was very helpful. Thank you. So let's talk about right now. What, what can we be doing to manage our stress right now? Well, there's a lot of very good resources for this. Um, all over, you can find uh, different lists of things that are helpful. Um, certainly, we know that you don't want to remain isolated. It's good for you to recognize your emotions and accept them. It's part of this current situation that you're going to have some good days and some more stressful days. It's good to try to identify the thoughts that are making you uneasy and to try to question them and limit them. It's important to avoid information saturation, particularly with the media. It's good that you don't be, that you're careful about how you speak with other people about your stress and the pandemic and to be choosy about who you listen to with this. Oh, yeah. Some people can make you very, very anxious because they're very, very anxious. Yeah. Um, so we, we generally say it's good to kind of avoid talking about the subject all the time and try to seek out other areas of conversation with people. Uh, It's good to support your members of your community and your fellow priests and family members and to try to make life as normal as possible to create some sort of regular schedule that keeps the day flowing for you. Mm. I'll also just point out that in addition to a lot of uh, great resources out there, 
Uh, the St. Jamiani Center has on their website a variety of resources that include videos, podcasts, guides to healthy living that all uh, contain a variety of great suggestions for these kind of things that just generally remind us that, you know, there's a variety of things we can do to be proactive, you know, connecting, eating healthy, praying, those types of things. Let me ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on planning for the future in ministry, including the need to be able to adapt to changing circumstances? Now, there's a lot of change taking place. Hotspots popping up, future crises. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, so it's good to kind of be thinking ahead with what might happen. I, I mean, the biggest word that comes to mind for me is is self-care. So, um, you know, a lot of people uh, realize that they were probably too busy before, particularly if you're involved in ministry. There's always much more work to do than there's hands to do it. Now, a lot of people have slowed way down. They're finding that too slow. But this is an opportunity to look at what's working for you self-care-wise and what is not to get yourself ready for what is going to happen next. There's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what the summer, the fall, or the winter will look like. There's lots of possibilities, but many of the factors are just unknown to us right now. So it's important to be flexible, to share ideas about what you're doing, and get ideas from other people there have been a tremendous amount of real creative ministry ideas out there. Um, we were all surprised by this pandemic. Um, none of us expected a global pandemic. None of us has lived through it in the way we're living through it now. So it's good to understand that we weren't ready for this, but there's things that we can learn from the situation as it's unfolded so far that we can apply now to the future. And that will help make the next response a little more efficient, a little bit better. But again, the most important thing I want to say is self-care. You know, it's funny. When I first came to the center and I asked David what he thought was the most important um, factor in, in someone um, getting to the point where they would need professional help, he said self-care, lack of self-care. And so we can, do, we can engage in prevention um, by, by engaging in self-care. So that is so true. So we're opening up the country now, and you've, and you've spoken about the need to plan ahead now for this increase in work, the stress and demands in ministry as isolation ends and rebuilding and reengaging and life begins. So what are your thoughts uh, on that? Well, you know, this is a pretty big topic. And again, part of it we don't know. But as I said before, being called to ministry with people never ends. So human needs never end. As things start up again, there'll be more people coming for assistance of all kinds. Many people will need to address what's happened to them during the crisis. Many are going to be struggling to adapt to what the situation is at the present. And then of course, there's going to be the need to work with people uh, and to help them with what their fears in the future might be. So uh, again, on a personal and ministry level, it's important to, to think about what has worked so far and what has not, and be able to implement that because whatever happens as we move forward, the workload will increase. Mm. Yes, I hear you. 
And, and yeah. it's also, a, I was going to say, uh -huh. planning ahead, which we mentioned before, is also important. Right. So trying to plan ahead for what some of the things might happen in ministry, how changes in your schedule might occur, what they might look like, and preparing yourself now to carve out time for self-care would be really important. Yeah, so an eye to time management might be helpful as well. Because mm -hmm. um, that, I mean, the way researchers used to measure initially when, when they started to study stress, they would measure it by demands on your time. So the, the degree to which you can compartmentalize that and, and sort of plan is, uh, is really vital and helpful. Are there any other words of wisdom that you could give our listeners? Well, you know, stress is a reaction to what's happening around us. It is, in a sense, an awareness. But we can use that awareness positively by also being aware of our limitations. There's only so much we can do on our own. Stress is a message to us that we need to reach out to others. We only have so much power, and that's not our fault. Where we end, God begins. Oh, thank you. That's profound. Thank you, Dr. Donahue. So thank you so much for being with us today. We've learned a great deal. And we'll keep you in our prayers as you continue this good work. Thank you. I'll keep you in my prayers as well. I hope today's topic, stress and COVID-19, proves useful to you. You can find all our podcasts and get additional information and resources for clergy and religious by visiting our website at sjvcenter.org. Let me close with a quote from St. Padre Pio. Pray, hope, and don't worry. You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.